What's up, everybody? Uh, coming to you live once again from the parents' house. We got episode 15 here of the Changavi Show. Welcome in. Um, recording this on Friday. Actually, re-recording this. Let's talk about that for the sec- for a second. Yesterday, I recorded this whole show, and it was done, and it was complete, and I was going to put it out probably tomorrow. Um, but today, there is some startling news here in the United States of America uh, that really is going to take over, I bet, Twitter and Instagram for the next two days or so uh, with the verdict of the Kyle Rittenhouse trial coming out and basically um, people saying that he, uh, or basically the jury coming to the conclusion that he got off scot-free. So, very, very interesting. Um, But that being said, the Kyle Rittenhouse case is done. It is in the books. I'm going to talk a little bit about that. We're going to talk a little bit about some other stories that are going on that no one really has any clue about, and we're going to have some fun. Uh, So people who are taking this Rittenhouse case a little seriously, uh, I beg you guys to just for a second, just chill, de-stress, and we'll get there because we have a lot about, we have a lot to talk about when it comes to America and when it comes to the Rittenhouse case and all that stuff. So let's get into it. How am I doing first? Okay, sorry to make this show about me. I know I'm such an asshole. Um, but how am I doing? Honestly, I have some pretty big news to share before uh, we get into this whole, um, you know, all these serious topics back to back to back. Uh, I'm doing I'm doing okay, but I got I got news. So this past week, um, I as you guys know, I'm in community college. Uh, and you know, having Indian parents and also having, you know, a society that really cares about a four-year degree, I have been, uh, looking to transfer, uh, from community college to a four-year university. And I recently received some news actually on Monday night, uh, you know, a couple hours out from watching my 49ers win. It was a great day. Monday was a great day. I got to see my Niners win. And, uh, I got into college. I got into my first four-year university um, through the tag program, which is awesome. And I think more kids should do it. Honestly, I, I don't know why more kids don't do it. Um, but I got in through the tag program, which is awesome. Uh, got into Davis. So really excited about that opportunity. Um, well, actually, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm excited to be in Davis in a new location, new change of scenery, not really excited about classes, no lie. Hopefully the UC system doesn't see this, but yes, that being said, I'm very excited. I am very excited for the opportunity to be at Davis and all of that. Hopefully, uh, I've also applied to other schools. So, you know, we'll see how that all shakes out. But most likely, I will be headed to Sacramento in the fall. So, that's the big life update. Um, in terms of other things, honestly, uh, I've been kind of out of it this week. Haven't really gotten a lot done productivity wise, probably because of the fact that I've, this is around the time, you know, when you hit the holidays and you sort of lose all motivation to do anything productive. So I'm kind of in that spot right now, uh, where I really absolutely don't want to do anything. And I'm just kind of trying to get by and get through these, uh, next couple weeks here before (laughs) the holidays really begin. And I can just go right into this and focus on the podcast for life. Um, no, but yeah, that's that's truly like what the kind of situation is. You know, it's it's always that weird time of year where things are not, um, you know, you're not as productive as you'd maybe like to be. Uh, the least productive time of the year equals the holidays, I guess. But that being said, there is a lot on this on people's minds. So I want to get right to it. Uh, let's get into our sports topic of the day. It's not really good. I mean, as much as I'd love to talk about the Golden State Warriors and the fact that they're 13 and two and, you know, the best record in the NBA and Steph Curry is freaking balling, balling. I don't want to talk about that. Um, even though I would, I could go on for hours as to why I love the Golden State Warriors and don't like the San Francisco 49ers right now, but there are issues in sports right now that are more important than that. And that are not being talked about. So let's talk about Peng Shui for a second. Uh, those of you who are probably like, who is this? So for those of you that don't know, Peng Shui is a Chinese uh, tennis player. Uh, she was formerly ranked, I believe she was a former number one doubles player in the world. 
um, singles. She's made it to like the quarters and semis at Wimbledon a couple times. She she she's a good player. She's a journey woman. That's what I would describe her as. You know, someone who's been around, someone who's been close to the top of the game, but hasn't really been consistent enough to be one of the greats. But she's a she's a damn solid tennis player. Okay, and she's a she's a big time Chinese athlete. So um, a couple weeks ago, uh, earlier this month. She basically went on the Facebook version of China, uh, China's version of Facebook, which I believe is called Weibo, if I'm not mistaken. If I am, please correct me. Um, and she basically went on this social media platform and posted this big message um, talking about how she it, it was kind of like a Me Too sort of story where she was talking about how she was sexually assaulted by uh, or sexually assaulted and like forced to do sexual acts with one of the big time politicians in china like this isn't like a senator like the this is the equivalent of like uh, and i'm trying to like describe it in american terms so you know we're able to understand this the politician that she was accusing of assaulting her um is like the equivalent of like the secretary of state or like the vice president level position right so it was like if if mike pompeo you know who was the secretary of state back during the trump presidency like had done something you know it would be huge news so it's it's like that level of politician so she posts that up on uh this heavily and i mind you weibo which is the chinese facebook is very highly regulated uh the government is on there you know they're making sure you know there's no threats it's, it's a much more censored uh platform than what we have here in america with twitter and facebook and all that within 20 minutes the post is taken down and unfortunately um we have not, no one has heard from uh, Peng Shui in, I believe it's about, it's been 16 or 17 days. No one has heard from her. No one has heard where she is. No one has heard what is going on. Um, and people have tried to make contact with her, but there has been no um, sort of, you know, appearance digitally virtually or like physically in real life no one really knows where she is and it's been about 17 days um and she has been completely you know kind of vanished uh and so now there are a lot of very high profile tennis players on the women's tour people like naomi osaka serena williams simona halep who are speaking out on this uh and even high members of the men's tour as well we're saying, you know, using this hashtag on social media, hashtag where's Punk Shui. Um, no one knows where she is. It's it's a crazy situation. And this is a situation that is not getting talked about in the national media at all. I saw one CNN post about this. And the fact is, like, this is a an athlete who has a decent platform, you know, who is pretty successful, making it to the quarters of Wimbledon a couple times is no big, like, you know, nothing to scoff at. But no one is really talking about this. And the fact that the Chinese government has been making statements sort of on her behalf. This is another thing that the Chinese government is doing. They're making statements on her behalf uh, as to where her whereabouts are. Because the WTA now and like players are really trying to like raise awareness of the issue and trying to figure out where she is. And a lot of the times it's been uh, the Chinese government speaking out and saying she's okay, she's safe, which today the wta uh spokesperson or like the ceo of the wta kind of like the commissioner of the nba or the nfl basically spoke out and said the chinese government speaking on these issues is um what did she say i forget oh yeah he said the chinese government speaking on these issues makes me more concerned for Peng Shui's safety because she has not come out and actually made a statement as to if she's safe or okay or anything it's insane I mean, you go after a government official in China, it's it's really, I mean, you see the consequences. They're at full kind of, um, they're at full visibility here. You know, I talked a little bit about this issue on my live, um, on my Instagram live a couple, like a week ago. And the issue was like sort of just starting to like, you know, frazzle out of control. Now we're a week in and she still hasn't been found, right? This is, this is insane. This is absolutely crazy. And the fact that no one is talking about this is just, it's, 
an abomination and a disgrace to our media that like there is a woman that is missing because of the Chinese government and no one is saying anything. And it's these, and tennis is a smaller time sport. Listen, I get it. People, they don't have the media coverage that basketball or baseball has. And Peng Shui is not like a superstar of the sport, right? She's like the way I describe Peng Shui is like, she's like the Michaela Maroney of the United States athletes. Like she is known like people, some people know her in China, but she's not like the most well-known athlete. Okay. Um, and, but nonetheless, it's still concerning. Um, I really do hope that Peng Shui is okay and that this whole situation can be resolved. Although I do fear for the worst, considering the fact that she did bring in like probably the vice president of, um, you know, like a vice president level politician into this whole thing. So that is, that's kind of crazy, but you know, the, it's, it's a really, it's a sad situation, but at the same time, it's a situation that needs awareness because if she is still alive, which I'm, which I hope we all should be praying, we should keep her in our prayers and keep her in our thoughts. Um, you know, this is, I've never heard of a government like really have control. I, I presume the government is involved. Like that's the conclusion you have to draw here. I mean, the Chinese government is known to commit actions like this. They have to be involved with this. I mean, it has to social. I mean, obviously like her posting it on social media and it being highly regulated was definitely the first big, you know, mistake, but also I don't blame Peng Shui at all. You know, she was coming out with her feelings that I presume because this, the assaults and the actions took place like two or three years prior. So she had been festering and processing and marinating on these feelings for a while. And she just used this Weibo with the Chinese Facebook as like a means to an end. And unfortunately, you know, being in China, like it doesn't necessarily give you the same freedoms that you would have here in America. In America, she would have been celebrated for coming out against a high elected official. There would have been an investigation. That's the privilege that we have as Americans. But as Asia, but as, but being Chinese, I mean, it's the privilege isn't there and the government isn't on your side. In fact, the government is doing whatever they can to protect themselves and they're out for themselves. It's not necessarily for Peng Shui or uh, anybody else. So, you know, it's sad to see, but at the same time, um, we, I, I hope we can find her. If you want to, you know, raise awareness or, you know, maybe even like try to get this issue into the national media more, we could use the hashtag, where's Peng Shui? Uh, her name is written down below here in the ticker. If, you know, one small hashtag I'm sure could help really raise awareness. I, I think like the, what we can do as Americans and as people sitting on our, you know, um, phones is we could tweet out this hashtag because this needs more media coverage. The fact that there's only been a couple ESPN stories, a couple stories on CNN here in America is absolutely ridiculous. We need to do a better job as the media of covering this issue because this is massive. And the only reason I know about this is because I follow a couple tennis journalists on Twitter. Otherwise, I would have had no idea. I'm, I'm a very big fan of the sport of tennis. I follow a lot of tennis players. I follow a lot of tennis journalists and you know, we got lucky that we have people like Serena Williams and Naomi Osaka who are speaking out on this. So thank you to the athletes who are speaking out. I think it's our turn, though, as civilians to be able to participate in this. So, yeah. Hashtag where is Peng Shui? Tweet it out. Instagram, whatever. We just need this to get more awareness, I feel like. Anyway, transitioning from kind of a more uh, sad story to sort of something that's been on my mind recently. Let's talk two really polar opposite things, but also not. We also talk about, I mean, let's talk about some more famous people. And some of the most famous people on TikTok are the Demelios. And I've noticed over the last couple months that I've seen a lot of Demelio hate out there. There's a lot of Demelio hate on the internet for different reasons. A lot of people are hating the Demelios. You know, they call them spoiled white girls and all this stuff. Uh, and then other people are hating the Demelios because of the fact that well, they say that there are no, you know, uh, that the Demelios take away from black and people of color creators who are doing incredible things, which might be sort of valid hate. But I want to talk about the Demelios for a second. Okay. So those of you that don't know who the Demelios are, Charlie, Charlie Demelio is the world's most famous TikToker, um, probably, right? She has over a hundred million followers on the app. She basically got famous by doing these little TikTok dances and they sort of, you know, got really viral and hot during quarantine when everybody was stuck at home. And 
eventually, you know, she got so much of a following and an opportunity that her family was basically asked to move out to LA, to which they accepted. And now, you know, they're chilling in LA um, uh, with Charlie having tr a tremendous amount of opportunity. Okay. And this came up again for me because I was going through Hulu one day, just trying to find something to watch. And I came upon the Demelio show in my recommendations. It was something I'd been avoiding for a while because of the fact that like, I was afraid that it would be something like the keeping up with the Kardashians type thing, you know, where it was like, you know, making big deals out of this most minuscule problems. And also, you know, just like very rich people things like, Oh my God, I lost my diamond earring in the ocean. Like, I don't know what to do. Like, I don't give a, I really don't care about any of that. So I was thinking to myself, I was like, okay, let me give this a shot. Let's see what it is. And honestly, I sat back and I watched the first couple episodes of this show. I didn't watch the whole thing because honestly, it doesn't really interest me that much. The D'Amelio family isn't like, you know, the and like the whole concept of like following a family has never really interested me in a show that much. But I watched the first couple episodes and I was pleasantly surprised as to what I saw. It was kind of the anti keeping up with the Kardashians in a lot of ways. They you, you they utilize this whole idea that the Demelios are kind of these social media celebrities to their advantage because the show just felt normal. It felt like I was talking to two normal teenage girls who grew up in suburban Connecticut and suddenly, you know, due to a couple TikToks going viral, all of a sudden are on a flight out to LA moving their whole family out there for this huge opportunity with social media. And that got me thinking about why we hate on creators, you know, in particular. And I want to defend the Demelios because there are a lot of people there who are anti-Demelio. They call them, you know, rich and privileged and white and all this stuff. And yeah, they may have been upper middle class, middle class, whatever, you know, in their life in Connecticut. You know, the dad was like a sporting goods uh, business owner. The mom was like a personal trainer. But I mean... <laughs> I feel really like I feel bad for these girls, man, because I try to put myself in Charlie's situation, right? Imagine you're 16, 17 years old. You, uh, for fun, put up a couple TikToks or a couple clips of something that you've been working on with your content and it just catches fire on the app. And then all of a sudden you have this huge platform and suddenly you have this massive opportunity to be able to, you know, build a career and build a life of social media, doing something that you love and dancing. Right. And but not the rest. The rest of the world doesn't see you like that. The rest of the world sees you as the toxic influencer, uh, part of this social media culture that is just, you know, awful and a terrible human being. But in reality, like you just kind of lucked into this situation. And listen, TikTok could have handpicked her. I don't know about all the details there. And I, I don't think we know enough information to be able to speculate on how the Demelios became the Demelios, right? How they became these massive celebrities. Um, but all I know is that if I was 17 and I was placed in Charlie D'Amelio's situation, I would be just, I don't know. I do not know how I would have acted. Um, I, it's a tricky situation to be in. Like at, for any child, for not for any child, for any young person, for any person to just go from living your normal life where you're relatively unwatched, you can kind of do whatever you want. You can skate by to suddenly every single action of yours is being put out on the internet. You break up with someone, everybody in their mother knows about it. You hit a freaking Nick stick outside a store in LA, boom, half the world knows about it. Like, oh, sorry. <laughs> I hit my computer. What the hell? What the hell? I don't, I genuinely don't understand it. I really don't get it. And I don't understand this hate that we have for creators. It is just, it's absolutely mind boggling. Listen, I get the hate with Logan Paul, right? Like, oh, Suicide Forest, like that shit isn't, you know, it wasn't disrespectful and all this stuff. Like, I get that. And I think Logan Paul has done a lot of reflecting in time and he's fine now, I presume, right? He's learned from that mistake. But you look at the TikTokers, right? These are the TikTokers that get the most hate, in my opinion. Charlie D'Amelio, Dixie D'Amelio, Addison Ray, um, Bryce Hall, Noah Beck, uh, and a couple other people. They don't really do much. They kind of just make their own content. They live their lives. They talk a lot of shit. Chase Hudson is also in that conversation. They talk a lot of shit. You know, they're they're very white. But like, okay. They don't bother me. I may not fuck with their content that heavy, but why should we like tell Bryce Hall like, oh, you deserve to fucking die in a hole, you little whore. Or like Charlie D'Amelio, like you're just a white fucking whore. Fuck you. Like, why is that hate deserved? They don't do anything. They just make their content. They're trying to make money like the rest of us and they're trying to live their lives and they're just capitalizing on this opportunity that they have 100 million followers on an app. 
I don't understand why people hate. And the thing I really liked about this Demelio show that I was watching on Hulu was that it was very authentic. It showed these two girls like breaking down over the social media hate. And just, it really showed like the, it gave you kind of an inside glimpse into like what it's like to be on the other side. You know, I, I consider myself and a lot of other people who are, you know, on the internet haters. We are, you know, the passive haters. We, we live our lives. We post a comment that takes 30 seconds out of our day, but we don't really get to see the other side, which is receiving that hate. And Charlie, and I, you know, I'm a very small time creator right? Like I, you know, I've started posting on TikTok. I have like 36 followers. I don't have very many followers on IG either, but I'll get like a couple hate comments here and there. And I'll get a couple people in my DMs kind of mad about stuff. And like, it doesn't affect me, but I think about it from my perspective and I'm like, okay, if I get a couple of those DMs, imagine what Charlie D'Amelio gets on a daily basis. She gets a hundred and hundred trillion X what I get. And you know, seeing hate upon hate upon hate upon hate freaking sucks you also get some positive comments too there are a lot of people with a lot of love out there and i love those people they're my favorites right but the hate is just very strong and it's in your face and it's right there and you see it and that sucks and that's the worst it's just it's not fun to watch and you know i i'm just very uh I'm just, when I tell people, like, uh, there are a lot of people that really, I'm just, uh, they're very quick with their tongue when it comes to talking about specific celebrities. And I think particularly the D'Amelios. Um, and they're like, they're white, they're just rich, you know, the only reason they're famous is because they're white and all this stuff. And it's like, you don't think these girls question why they're famous all the time already? Like, do you really think your comment is like a f original thought that they've not had in their brains? Like, you're just amplifying their mental health issues, really. I mean, when you post comments like you're musty, you're crusty, you're a whore, all this shit, like it doesn't help. It doesn't help anybody's case. It doesn't help your case because you're still angry about it. And it doesn't help their case because they're, you know, receiving this, these terrible things that you're saying. So here's what I have to say. The next time any of you guys sees a TikTok and you really don't like this TikToker for whatever reason, whether it be a projection of your own insecurities or hate coming from something that they've done, hold on for a second. Just hold on for a second. Before you type some nasty comment into the internet, just hold off. Hold off. Take a deep breath. <sighs> Relax. And then like you realize, oh crap, this isn't even important. This will not affect how I live my life at all in any way, shape, or form. So I'm going to get rid of this. I don't need this hate in my life, and I don't need any of this. And, and everybody's better off. And everybody's better off, you know? I, and I'm victim to this, too. I post some hateful comments. I Hateful. I don't post, like, you know, like, people, like, blah, 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 like, are whores and sluts and all that crap. But, like, you know, I'll post, like, you're kind of snarky comment and even then i think about it sometimes i'm like damn like i posted about you know jimmy garoppolo on my twitter uh is he gonna see it and just you know break down because of my comment because of my hate am i a hater am i a hater i question my hate all the time i'm like i have to you have to toe the line i think is being a podcaster who talks about current events like you have to toe the line between being a hater and being someone who's just a fan and it's just like finding that kind of middle ground is very tricky um particularly when you're someone who is very you know quick with the tongue and can critique someone with a couple of words so you got to watch your language uh, in a lot of instances but here's what i'll say about the demelios i really like them they seem like a very nice family if i were to meet them in real life i would you know love to hang out with charlie demelio she seems like she's a chiller she's a very relatable personality if you watch the show she just seems like a normal teenage girl uh dixie seems cool too there are a couple you know things that i don't like about them uh, in that, like, we just wouldn't get along because they're just, you know, fashion and all this stuff that I'm just not very into. So I don't think we'd have very many common interests, but I think she, they're chill. I don't see any problems with them. But yeah, that's what I say about the Demelians. They're cool. They seem chill. And yeah, same with most TikTok creators. I feel like they're just trying to make a bag. And I respect that. And we just got to stop hating. And we got to, like, there should be more defenders of these people because they're not bad inherently. And uh, we need to be better. We need to be better as a social media generation. We need to be better. Anyway, let's transition from talking about Charlie D'Amelio and American pop culture 
to the greatness of America. Is America great? Is America great? This is a question I put out on my Instagram like two days ago. And I said, yo, in terms of opportunity, is the United States of America the greatest country to exist in the world? And it was a very divisive poll. It was like 53, 47, 53% in favor of people saying America is great. 47% of people said America is not the greatest country in the world. Both are valid. Both have their own points. Here's what I'll say about the trends that I noticed. On Instagram, it's really funny because I get to see who voted for what. It's not an anonymous poll. I get to see which accounts voted for what exact, you know, part of the poll. And um, and I saw that fifty the in the 53% of the people who said America is great, God bless America, a lot of those people ended up being kids of immigrants or immigrants themselves. People who've come from India, people who've come from Asia, wherever in the world. And, you know, have don't really have a lot of their roots in the U.S. besides, you know, they're they're like kind of the foundation. Their family is the foundation sort of here in the United States. Um, this is like that first generation of being in another country. So they were very vocal for the fact that like America has so much economic opportunity and there's so much things like you could be free. You could do whatever you want. You could build your life. Right. Then there was the 47%. And what I noticed with the 47% was a lot of them tended to be not only just white, but um, people who there were a, a few people of color that did vote in the 47%, but they were people who have grown up in America um, with multiple generations of their family also being here. So like they could have been POCs, uh, but a lot of, you know, they, there's no like foundations in the rest of the world. They, you know, they don't have a lot of family in other countries. Uh, if any at all. So what I noticed was they said like America is super problematic and this is not the you know best country in the world to live in. So that's where I think there's two schools of thought here when we talk about this question, particularly in regards to opportunity. And obviously Kyle Rittenhouse just happened. So a lot of people are very emotional about America being great. Or like they're looking at me like, are you fucking kidding me? You're really defending America? Like, no, listen, America has its issues. The United States fundamentally has a lot of issues when it comes to race, when it comes to guns, when it comes to a lot of things. This country has issues. This country has disagreements and it has fundamental flaws. I am not saying that there are this country is flawless and it's perfect. I think no country in this world is perfect. If you try to sit here and tell me that Sweden is the fucking perfect economy, I'm sorry, it's not. Probably not. There's flaws. I may not know the intricate flaws of every country, but I was going through a list of like all like 250 registered nations in the world. And I was like, where could I really see myself living and like laying down my roots? And I went through all the different countries in the world from Afghanistan all the way to Zimbabwe. And there was probably eight, nine countries where I could really see myself living. And the country from which my parents come from, India, is not one of them. I cannot see myself living in India. It is a very different society. It is a very different culture. It is a very, very, very different reality out there than it is here. But it, it would take a lot of adjusting. And I don't think I can do that. I don't think that is something I want to do in my life. Um, but back to the question, is America great? My opinion, I'm going to give my opinion. And then I'm going to talk about kind of, I, I talked a little bit about the trends and other people. But I'm going to give my opinion. I think America is great for opportunity. I think there are fundamental flaws with this country. I think there the two party system is stupid. I think being um, having to check a box for a candidate is really dumb. And the fact that we fundamentally there are no um, you know other op options besides the two main candidates, uh, unless you want to throw away your vote, is dumb. That's very stupid in my opinion. But. I think there are so many great things about this country too. I mean, I know, like I grew up in a community of majority immigrants, like parent, our parents, like I, my, for most of my friends, their parents are immigrants. They've came, they come to, they came to this country 30 years ago with nothing and they've built a life that in itself is like what makes America amazing. The American dream is, can I say the American dream is still alive to a certain extent? No. I mean, I would say that like the American dream is still there, but it's very, very difficult. And you have to have a certain level of, of um, privilege in this country to really achieve that American dream. For sure. hundred percent. It's not anybody and everybody can achieve it. My parents would disagree with that take. They would say, what the hell? We did it. We came from nothing. 
But, you know, I think what we're seeing with the times here with race relations in this country is that not everybody can make it. There are definitely fundamental uh, equality issues when it comes to this country. I agree with that 100 percent. But will I say America is still not the greatest country? America is still the greatest country in the world. Absolutely. I, I wouldn't say it's the greatest country in the world. I'd say it's one of the greatest. I'd say it's one of the best countries to live in. If you as an American right now had moved to any of the other 209 nations in the world, how many would you pick? I did that same simulation. I picked eight right? United States, maybe Canada, England, um, and a few other like remote island countries because I just, you know, I could see myself just chilling on an island for the rest of my life. That's about it though. That's about it. Where else? Like, uh, listen, I could understand if you, you, different personalities could live in different places, right? I am not like the type of personality that would be able to live in, um, you know, a village in the Democratic Republic of the Congo. Like, that's just not who I am. I could not live in a village in the, in the Congo. Like, I would cry. I could not, like, shit in a hole. That is just, you know, being American, having the privilege of, you know, public urination or not public urination but having the privilege of like public toilets and toilets and the accessibility to that is you know a privilege i'm not willing to give up i have an immense fear of public restrooms which we can talk about later but i mean it depends on your personality as well for sure of, of like where are the different countries you can live but i encourage everybody to do it look up a list of all the countries in the world list out the exact countries you can live in and then come back to me and tell me how many besides america how many you could live in it's not going to be very many. Hint. You're going to find some problem. You mean to say every developed nation in this country doesn't have a problem, in the world has a pro doesn't have a problem? Greece, Italy, Spain, all, a lot of them have corruption in their governments. Welcome to the world. Corruption exists everywhere. There's nothing, this is nothing new. So that's my point is that like, is America great? There are great aspects about it. There's a lot of work to be done and there's a lot of work that's going to continue to be done. There's going to be flaws always. But at the end of the day, it's better than the other options you have. I don't think you'd trade your life in America right now to live, you know, in uh, Tanzania. I don't think so. <laughs> I, I wouldn't. I certainly wouldn't. Like, no offense to Tanzania. I, I think Tanzania is great, you know, but I, I just would not trade my life right now to live in Tanzania. That's just my personal opinion, but you can have your whatever opinion you want. Anyway, enough of talking about if America is great. Let's talk about America's problems for a second, because there are a lot of problems. And we sort of hinted at it here with, you know, race relations and all that, because the Kyle Rittenhouse case seems to be the one headline of the world today, right? It's taken over everybody's minds. And, you know, obviously with the verdict coming out and Rittenhouse being not guilty and, him walking as a free man after shooting up two people and, uh, you know, uh, injuring another man. Like this is, yeah, it, it, I think the Kyle Rittenhouse case perfectly is an example of like all the issues that are going on in this country today, right? Political polarization. The left has a perspective that Rittenhouse should be in jail. The right thinks that Rittenhouse should go free gun, you know, and they have their different reasons. The left thinks that there's context behind the racial racial relations and all of this stuff. And the right thinks, oh my God, no, fuck that. Like, it's not about race. It's about a man who was trying to self-defend himself, who was helping other businesses, right? There's so much that goes into this case. It's very politically polarized. And you know, the fact that the guilty, the verdict was not guilty. Most of my friends who tend to be on the left are very active and posting on social media saying that this verdict was, you know, bullshit and all this stuff. Understandable, totally understandable. And you guys are probably thinking at this point, like, oh my God, are you, are you really about to say this is self-defense? No. What I, here's where I stand with this whole kind of perspective on the Rittenhouse case. I understand the self-defense argument and on paper, it makes sense on paper. When you're looking at this case literally, if you literally if you literally listen to the facts of the Rittenhouse case, this is an this is a cakewalk for the for the defense. They're going to win this 10 times out of 10. You read the laws, you read the technicalities of the Wisconsin code, they're going to win it. The the defense is going to win this. This is this is the this is a cakewalk. I mean, he, there's no evidence. You cannot dig into Kyle Rittenhouse's brain and there are no evidence that there's no evidence that you can personally pull that can prove that he had malintent to murder these people, right? 
you these people had weapons pointed at him. There were weapons pointed in his direction, given there is context behind that. But you cannot prove the context. Can you prove that context? The defense had, the prosecution had a hard job here. They had to be able to prove that context. They had to be able to prove the underlying truths in this case, that there was race relations and there were all of these different things going on that night that led to this. And the prosecution did an absolutely horrible job of doing so. The defense just did their job. They did their job. They pointed out the flaws in the prosecutions, obviously fundamentally, uh, I thought was a really bad argument that they put out. They seemed to pick up their act a little bit towards the end, but even then I thought they made a critical error as I called out and they lost. But, you know, I'm not surprised that the defense won. You look at this case on paper, it's a cakewalk for them. How do I feel? How do I feel? My personal opinion? Yeah, Kyle Rittenhouse should go to fucking jail. Absolutely. I don't think that they even, this shouldn't even be a question. The man is holding an AR-15 strapped to his freaking body with a full metal jacket and is saying that he's defending the building and that he's an EMT. Dude, I have never seen any paramedic walk out of the you know ambulance carrying an AR-15 ready to shoot up people. You go in with an AR-15. This is my personal opinion, by the way. You go in with an AR-15. Hell no, that's not self-defense. That you're trying to you're trying to you're trying to start shit. Go into any bar, go into any place, public setting, and carry a semi-automatic weapon. You don't think people would look at you differently? You don't think you're not trying to start anything? Yeah, you are. You're 100% trying to start shit. So my point is very simple: is like. That you can, like, physically and in the court of law, you cannot sit here and prove to me, boom, this is the case, and there's context behind it, and prove those layers. That is very hard to do. You cannot do that. But from my point of view, I really do firmly believe that Kyle Rittenhouse is guilty and should be in jail for homicide because... Uh, listen, I, I am pro second amendment. I also want to make that very clear. I think that there should, you should be able to carry a weapon around to defend yourself. Totally. If you're in an open carry state, why not? It's written in the constitution, do whatever you need to do. But those weapons that you carry around should not be fucking semi-automatic weapons. Okay. And you should not have like full rounds strapped to you. You shouldn't look like you're about to go to war in Iraq, right? You could carry a handgun in your pocket. You could carry a hunting rifle, which you have to reload and all that. There should be no semi-automatics allowed on the streets to a 17-year-old kid. That makes no sense to me. But yeah, that's my personal opinion on Rittenhouse. In terms of like what I saw coming, like, yeah, I saw this coming from a mile away. You see the way that like the case is just constructed uh, for the defense to win this. It's a self-defense. And you look at all the technicalities and all the codes. Yeah, they win. And is it a pathetic job by the jury? I, I mean, sure. You can say that, but also the jury is meant to just go right into the facts that are presented in front of them. And that if you look at it on paper, on paper, I'm talking on paper, this is a cakewalk. The prosecution should not win this. It's hard. You have to have a really damn good prosecuting attorney that's able to prove that context and able to prove the layers underneath the case. But if you just look at the literal evidence in front of you, it's self-defense. Nine, ten times out of ten. That's how I feel about this. And people are going to be up in arms about this case for a while, particularly on the left. It's definitely going to, you know, affect a lot of people. Um, going to be interesting to kind of see what the comments are from not only the left, but also like Kyle Rittenhouse. I'm sure he'll do uh, interviews and stuff and talk about that stuff. Uh, talk about, you know, what he's been, what his feelings are about everything and what his intent was. I'm sure you're going to get all of that. It'll all happen. Um, but do I think Kyle Rittenhouse is a good person? Probably not. No, because I mean, there was other evidence that he was like involved in white power organizations and all that. So I don't necessarily think he's a great guy. I wouldn't go be friends with Kyle. I wouldn't be like, yo, Kyle, dap it up, bro. No, no, that's not, you know, I mean, I, I wouldn't. There are people probably that would. There are people that probably think it is self-defense to this day that are watching this and infuriated at my opinion. But I think that if this case has taught us anything, like, should there be semi-automatics allowed on the freaking streets? No, no, I'm so sorry, but no, it's, it's no, they shouldn't be. So that's what I have to say about that. But let's move on because we've talked enough about Rittenhouse and we got a few more topics here to go. 
Um, let's talk a little bit about Frank Somerville. I want to, you know, we went and talked about the nation for a bit and the problems and if it's great and all of these things. So let's kind of zone back in. Let's go local for a second. Frank Somerville, for those of you that don't know, is a Bay Area anchor. Okay. And I want to make this like a very like, you know, short and sweet topic. So give me one sec. Gotta hydrate, guys. This episode is sponsored by Niagara Bottled Water. No, I'm kidding. Um, do sponsor me, though, if you guys, you know, see this. Anyway, Frank Somerville. This guy's a local legend. He's a local Bay Area legend as an anchor. Everybody knows who he is if you're from the Bay, um, particularly if you're a new parent and you're old because you're the only two that really watch cable news on a regular basis, except me. I tended to watch. I watched Frank Somerville a lot as a kid. This guy's really good at what he does. He's been in the industry, what, 30 plus years. He's been in this market like 30 plus years, the Bay Area market, won multiple Emmys for his work as an on-air anchor. This guy has high pedigree. He's a very, very highly touted, highly respected anchor in this industry. Until the Gabby Petito case came out. So the Gabby Petito case comes out and Frank basically says on air uh, that I understand that Gabby Petito, and this was at the time that Gabby Petito was still missing. We had, we did not know that she was dead. Uh, he basically said like Gabby Petito is still missing and that's fine. And we should definitely do our best to uh, try and find her and, you know, use all the resources and all that. But why is this case so popular? Because there are indigenous slash black slash people of color that go missing on a 10 to 15 times higher basis, women and men. And we don't even cover them. We barely cover them. But the second a white w attractive woman, and he's, I'm paraphrasing what he said, and I'm changing the terminologies a little bit. Um, but the second a white, good-looking woman goes missing, the whole nation is obsessed with it. It's white, it's missing white woman syndrome. And he's right. He spat nothing but facts in that like minute-long speech. The news network uh suspended him. They suspended him. KTVU suspended him from on-air interaction, which is bull, in my opinion. He was calling out the truth. He was doing his job as a journalist. And he's also married to a black woman and has an African-American daughter. And I understand where he's coming from with that. You know, being married, having an African-American daughter is no joke. Like you, you, you're trying to look out for the, your own personal interests. You have a personal stake in this because you have a daughter that's half black and you're also married to a black woman and you're seeing the way the media is covering these, uh, white women. But at the same time, like black women, like he said, go missing on like a 10 to 15 times more basis. And we, they barely graze the local headlines, let alone the national ones. Right. But Gabby Petito was the biggest headline in this country for almost a month. And Frank Somerville basically said that he was suspended. And eventually uh, he went back on air and he just, you know, doing his thing. And he wanted he basically requested to the people at KTVU that they put a little ticker talking about, uh, you know, African-Americans and people of color going missing uh, underneath every Gabby Petito story. They rejected him. And eventually he was fired uh, or he quote unquote resigned. But was, you know, technically it was like a firing by them. It was just one of those things where it was like, oh, we want it to be mutual, but at the same time, you know, we want it to look good, but you're also fired. Dude. Oh, man. Oh, man. Gabby, or Gabby Petito. This case, I talked about this too. I talked about this whole missing white woman syndrome. I totally agree with Frank here. So that's why I'm like not anti what he's saying. They fire this guy. He has the highest of high pedigrees, won Emmys, been a Bay Area fixture for 30 plus years on KTVU at 11 every night, in the mornings, every morning. And you just fire, you can him like this. That's, that's just, I mean, KTVU is doing them dirty. But also this is like a whole reflection on national media itself because they don't want to admit their faults. I mean, Kate, Frank Somerville called that out, called it out, used evidence. And basically kindly pointed to KTVU and said, yo, let's try and change this narrative. And they said no. And they cut him. They cut him. They fired him. Imagine if this was a rookie. You can't say this if you're a rookie anchor. This dude has pedigree. He has clout in this community and with these people, with this station. But they still cut him. I cannot believe this. This is absolutely fucking outrageous. I mean, KTVU, what are you doing? What are you doing? This, there has... There is no way that Frank Somerville should be cut for saying that. Really? 
And no one's talking about this either. People are just like, oh, Frank's gone. You ever think to like as to why he's gone? You ever think as to why Frank Somerville was cut? Because of saying something that was truly factual. It sucks. It sucks. It truly sucks to see a guy like Frank Somerville having uh, no say in this matter and being fired. And he said he wants to, you know, still go to maybe a competing network. And I hope someone in the Bay will hire him because that man is so talented. and He's very good at his job. Uh, and if Frank, you're listening to this and you want to come out and tell your full story on my podcast, feel free. I'll tag you. Okay, let's get it done. Let's talk about this, Frank, because this is absolutely ridiculous what has happened to you. And I think you're pointing out all facts and you could expose KTVU if you want and I will be here for it. But yeah, that's what I have to say. Anybody knows about Frank Somerville in the Bay Area, like you know how much of a legend this guy is. And, uh, you know, it just kind of sucks to see that he was fired for saying something that was not wrong <laughs> and like truly factual and trying to do something about it. So that's tough. But let's go on from the news and Frank Somerville for a second and talk about music because these are going to be our last two topics. And I want to end it on a positive note because I know everybody's talking about this. And I want to say this real quick before we get into music. Listen, there are a lot of people today that are going to be really upset about Kyle Rittenhouse. And they're going to let it drag into their days. And they're going to let these news headlines get into their heads and, you know, talk and just woe is me. Just, you know, walk around unhappy for the weekend. Don't let this stupid headline, don't let these court cases, don't let these dumb things in the news affect you, okay? Like, don't let the news affect you because you, if you're having a great day, if good things are happening to your life right now, hell yeah, hell yeah, go celebrate that. Go out, enjoy some California sunshine, enjoy some Midwest snow, wherever you are, enjoy the day. Don't let these freaking headlines, I know I speak a lot of negative headlines, okay? I talk about a lot of negative things, but that's just the nature of the news these days. It's, it's negative. There's not a lot of positive things. Maybe I'll talk about some positive things. That's why SGN was cool, because they talked about all the good things that were going on during COVID when everything was negative. We need to see more of that. I don't know where SGN went, by the way. Maybe we'll do a topic next week and talk about some good news. Anyway, the point is, guys, take care of yourselves. Enjoy what's going on in your life right now. Think about all the positives that are going on because there are a lot of positives going on in your life. I'm sure. I'm sure there's a few, if not if not one or two. Don't let these news headlines get to you. Don't let like the the talking heads talk you into this culture of fear and intimidation and all this stuff that's going to happen and don't let them do that. Enjoy your lives. Enjoy it. Have fun. Enjoy what's in front of you and enjoy the moment because these news cases, frankly, are, you know, they're happening and they're out of your control. So just enjoy what's in front of you. Anyway, that's what I'll say about that. Quick PSA. But let's talk about music, okay? Let's be positive because I'm sick of this negative shit. Revisiting the female R&B music conversation. I had this conversation a couple weeks ago where I pointed out and I maybe brought up the take of like, is Ariana Grande on the level of Beyonce and Rihanna? People were visceral in the way that they reacted to me. They were like full on Clark Kent laser eyes trying to just eviscerate me from the planet. Um, they were not, people were not happy when I even suggested that people were like Beyonce's vocal octave range actually ranges from 0.047 to 0.409 compared to Ariana Grande's. I'm like, I don't care about the vocal technique. Okay. Beyonce has a beautiful voice. Ariana has a beautiful voice and Rihanna has a beautiful voice. And I think we can all agree on that, but R&B music conversation. The one point that was really brought to me and I, I give her credit for this shout out, Sarah. Um, she told me, she said, why isn't Taylor Swift in this conversation? And I thought about it and I thought about it for a second and I was like, maybe she should be in this conversation. But also I was like, let me try and fix the semantics of what I'm saying. Because if I'm talking about greatest female musicians, that opens up the board to like Mariah Carey, Taylor Swift, and a bunch of other people that, you know, are out there just killing it right now. Taylor Swift is 100% in the greatest female artist conversation of right now. But this is the R&B music conversation. And I think there are three main artists that stand up about above all right now. 
I, I mean, I think Janelle Monet is like, you know, in there too. But I think that the three right now that are big are Ari, Beyonce, and Rihanna. And they're like the three biggest ones kind of of our era of like R&B kind of rap pop artists in that kind of sort of genre. Um, but these these three are just above and beyond everybody else, which is why I put them in the same conversation. And people say Ariana shouldn't even be in the conversation with Beyonce and Rihanna. And that's what I this is what I say to them. I'm like, listen, look at album sales, look at relevancy, look at Ari's fan base, look at her popularity. It's massive. She has more Instagram followers than Rihanna. She has sold more albums than uh, she has more Spotify listens than Rihanna does. Right. Downloads, because that's what we go for these days. It's not album sales anymore. She's bigger than Beyonce. And people are saying, oh, well, that's because Ari releases more music. But think about it. Their career timelines don't exactly match up. Rihanna's prime was sort of like 05 to 2015 or 16. Okay. Beyonce's prime was sort of 03 to 13 or 14, right? When 4 came out. I think it was 11, actually. 11 or 12, right? So they're, Beyonce and Rihanna's primes matched up real nice because they were like both in their prime, just going back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And Ariana's prime is newer because she's a newer artist. She released her first debut album in 2013, right? After Victorious and all this stuff. But the fact is simple. Ariana Grande has done something that Beyonce and Rihanna haven't done, which is just a flawless transition of a musician. She's kind of gone from this very pop-heavy artist, you know, someone who is releasing very much pop records with like My Everything and Yours Truly to like Dangerous Woman kind of making strides towards R&B. But thank you, Next Sweetener positions all just being a completely different Ari than what we're used to. No other artist, none of those two artists, not Beyonce, not Rihanna, have even touched that conversation of like being able to switch it up real quick, uh, their careers. And like Rihanna has not done straight pop. Beyonce has not been able to like switch it up into another genre. Ariana Grande has been able to do it flawlessly. Uh, you could argue Rihanna has. And so like I would not, you know, discount you on that. But yeah. Anyway, a lot of people were asking me, like, where do you rank these artists? And so I wanted to say this. I'll, I'll show you where I rank them, okay? I think, I, I really do believe Rihanna is the number one artist out of these three. I don't think Beyonce is number one. I do not think Queen B is even in, like, I, I really don't. I really think Rihanna, I really think very highly of Rihanna, and I think she's number one far and away. I think it's a very, 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 a pretty big, pretty significant gap. And then you have Beyonce at two, and then a very slight gap, and you have Ariana Grande at three. And I think Ariana Grande is coming for Beyonce, dude. And I think it's going to happen faster than you think. Um, and I think that because of the fact that Beyonce, well, she doesn't seem to be like, she's going to release music, I'm sure, in the next few years, and we'll judge that album accordingly. But, you know, I, I think Ariana Grande is just on a pace to beat Beyonce and Rihanna because she has time on her side. Beyonce is like what almost 40 Rihanna is almost you know mid 30s late 30s like maybe I'm getting the ages wrong I apologize but Ariana Grande is like late 20s she has time on her side she can she has she can sit around for a couple years do absolutely nothing release a couple banger albums and surpass the both of them her prime is just starting which is crazy to think about right and in, like she's released eight albums, which is about the same that Beyonce and Rihanna have released um, in, you know, her short lived career. Her prime is just beginning. And if Thank You Next and Dangerous Woman were like the, you know, precursors to her prime. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, man. Ari is in for one hell of a career that might just top off on top. That's all I'll say. Rihanna just does. I mean, Rihanna's great. And Rihanna kind of has that Frank Ocean effect where it's like, I'm going to drop an album that's just going to be amazing, e.g. Anti in 2016, dip for five, six, seven, eight years, come back and drop something amazing again. But we'll see when, you know, Rihanna drops her ninth studio album. I don't know when that'll be. I don't know what date. It could happen tomorrow. It could happen five years from now. We don't know. But I think like Rihanna, just musical quality is just awesome. It's off the charts. She's got a fantastic voice. The themes she talks about are just very unique. And she paved the way for, for an Ariana Grande to really, you know, be able to sing about things like sex and sexuality and all of these things uh, by being so open about it in her music. So credit to Rihanna for where credit is due. Um, but yeah, 100%. I think those are the 
top three. I think Beyonce, uh, Beyonce, I'll say this about Beyonce. I don't think album wise, she's very consistent. I don't like her albums. I don't like Beyonce albums. I think Beyonce albums in general can drag. There can be a lot of songs which are duds. There can be a lot of songs which don't get talked about, which aren't great. And then, but there'll be like individual songs which are so great that you have to put her in this conversation. You cannot tell me that there is a no skips Beyonce album. There isn't. There isn't. There's a lot of skips in these Beyonce albums. There's a lot of throwaway songs, in my opinion. A lot of people can come back to me and be like, Sasha Fierce is Sasha Fierce is probably the closest to a no skip album, in my opinion. But Ariana Grande, Dangerous Woman is an absolute no skip. Thank You Next, in my opinion, is a no skip album. I mean, Anti is just Anti is no skips. Like you, there's Anti. Like I think it's sixteen songs, sixteen of sixteen, it hits. I don't know what to tell you. Uh, but yeah, I think when you revisit this conversation, like totally, there are other female artists that deserve to be recognized, but just, I think in different conversations, I think there are different um, kind of goat conversations when it comes to female artists, right? Cause there's just so many different genres in the music industry, but yeah, that's why I wanted to revisit it. I kind of wanted to clarify where I stood on this whole thing because I kind of brought up the take last time, but here's kind of my deeper reasoning into that. But I got one more and we're at 55 minutes. So we got to close it out soon. Let's start it out on a real, let's end it on a real positive note because my God, Silk Sonic, Silk Sonic made my week. Kyle Rittenhouse may have destroyed my week. Kyle Rittenhouse may have made me, you know, may have made a lot of people uh, really upset and destroyed their weeks, but Silk Sonic will fix your week. Go listen to this album, man. Wow. This was fantastic. The fusion of Bruno Mars and Anderson Pack was something I didn't realize that I needed in my life. And when I heard Leave the Door Open, which came out like, you know, whatever, four months ago, it was just so smooth. It was so great. Bruno is just, you know, incredible. Um, and Anderson Pack is great too. But this album, hit, 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 hit. Just all the songs. My God. It's just, it's it's got something in it for everybody. You know, it's like a it's got this funky kind of beat to it, you know, where you want to like groove. And it's got like a little bit of rap influences and R&B, of course. It's got that Prince effect with Bruno on the vocals and all of this stuff. And it's a great album. Just everything front to back is just so well put together. Um, you know, I it's it's really nice to see two superstars in their industry like collab and make an album. You know, I felt like we were kind of beyond the age of collabs. I felt like that was very, very kind of late 2010s, early or sorry, early 2010s, late 2000s, you know, with like Bad Meets Evil and all of that stuff. And obviously early 2000s, like I felt like we were kind of beyond that era of, you know, collaboration of superstars. But now, but now we're like in this, um, you know, I, seeing Bruno Mars and Anderson Pack kind of come together and make an album like this was really cool. Uh, if you guys haven't listened to this album, like I really do recommend it for like any person who's like into music. I feel like it's not, it doesn't, it's genreless in a lot of ways where there's just like, it's, it's kind of a mix of all sorts of different genres um it's not something you're gonna hate i feel like it's it's not something that anyone can really truly hate because there's a song in there for everybody in my in my opinion if there are people that absolutely hate the silk sonic album go for it roast me in the comments but i think for the most part this album is just it hits it every song has hit on a really you know nice level and the vocal talent of these two men is just beyond anything that i could ever comprehend <laughs> so do yourself a favor go check this album out um fly is me is one of my favorite songs uh let's go through it real quick i yeah i have it, all of them in my like songs so give me a second uh of course leave the door open which is like the lead single people really like skate i'm not like the biggest fan of skate but after last night smoking out the window and put on a smile are my three favorites so let me know what your favorite silk sonic songs are down below uh, I really want to see more stuff from other superstars collaborating. I think we could use more of that in our lives. I also think we could use more Silk Sonic in our lives. So if Silk Sonic happens to see this, please make more music. I would love it. I would appreciate it. I hope you go on tour. I'll come see you. Although the tour would be really short because it'd be like six songs. Unless like Bruno and Anderson did their own individual catalogs too, which would be a lot of fun. And if they did duets. Oh my God. I have so many ideas for this con concert tour. I think they would sell out across this country. People love this album. People love this album. It is probably one of the better albums released all year um and yeah i just want to say wow thank you silk sonic for making my week a little better with this album anyway 
Thank you guys so much for listening to the Changavi Show, episode 15, officially in the books, re-recorded, re-trending, ready to go. Uh, I hope you all appreciated this show. Um, you know, talked a lot about a lot. The talk talked about a lot, a lot, a lot. Wow, I'm I'm basically a rapper. Talked about a lot, about a lot, right? Yeah. Um. Anyway, we talked about a lot today. Uh, Demelio's America, Written House. There's a fucking guy hammering his wood. Uh, next door to me. So fuck that guy. Frank Somerville. Ariana Grande. We talked about everything. And I hope you guys enjoyed some of these topics. Let me know your thoughts down below. Comment down below if you're on Spotify. Feel free to hit the follow button. Also, follow me. Subscribe to me on YouTube. Like this video if you like it. If you didn't like it, dislike it. Let me know why. Um, subscribe as well if you're into more of this type of content. You can go watch all my previous other content. It's all in playlists. So you can got, you guys can go check that out as well. Um, if you're on Spotify, you can also follow me so you'll get notifications of all the new episodes. Feel free to go check out all the old ones as well uh, from the Essential Question podcast days, but also the Changavi show. Anyway, that's all I got. Follow me on socials too. Links are going to be down below for those. So you can follow me on Twitter where I barely post, but you can also follow me on Instagram where I post a lot and you can also follow everything else in between. Um, flies me. Yeah, you'll get to see me sing. Uh, anyway, we're getting to the point of the podcast where I'm singing. So I'm going to end it right here. But thank you guys so much for paying attention for an hour. I appreciate all of you. Love you all. Take care of yourselves. Don't let Kyle Rittenhouse get you down because fuck that guy. Um, and, uh, you know, go enjoy the rest of your weekends. Go have fun. Go party. Go be free. Anyway, that's all I got. So thank you, everybody. I appreciate it. everything that you guys do for me. And uh, we'll be back next week with more content. All right. Peace. Or sorry, later this week. Peace.